This is NBA Sound System at NBA Summer League in Las Vegas, coming to you from the Thomas & Mack Center on the campus of UNLV. For the very latest, check out our full slate of Summer League podcasts by searching NBA Sound System on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Play, or anywhere else you get your favorite podcasts. You can also visit nbasoundsystem.com to listen in. Thanks for being part of NBA Summer League 2019 on NBA Sound System. All right, welcome to the NBA Sound System podcast, live from the NBA Summer League here in Las Vegas. My name is Amino Hassan. If you're listening to this episode and you've listened to past episodes and say, that's not Amin, that's a different person. <laughs> you know, all you have to know is that Las Vegas got me, and that's why my, my voice sounds the way it does. Joined today by a good friend of mine, one of the uh, foremost authorities on uh, transaction, uh, well, how, how would you describe it, Nate? Uh, as to like what I do, I, I a capologist, a capology, you say that? yeah, but I think that that kind of puts you into a box. I think you're a little bit more than that, you know, right? You're more of a, a renaissance man, and yeah, I guess so. It's it's always tough as an independent to like describe myself. Yeah. I'm like, oh, I write for ESPN, I can't yeah. really say that, but uh, no, I mean, it's been around for a while. I have an independent podcast, we talk about everything that happens in the nba basically all right it's but, nate but duncan have, by the way i, I should have yeah. said your full name nate duncan yeah uh, you know it's funny nate you are the first you are literally the first human being that i met that made me understand that there's some money to this stuff like <laughs> not if you're working with the big boys there's money to be doing it independently because you were a lawyer and you told me you quit your job to podcast full-time and i said how are you gonna pay your bills and he said Nate literally told me, I make more money doing this than I did as a lawyer. Am I yeah, putting well, your business in the streets? Uh, no, that's, a, that's all right. It's good good that people know the podcast successful. Speaking of which, I'm getting paid for this, right? <laughs> you got to talk to Warren and Albert about that. I'm just the talent. I'm not, <laughs> I am not a decision maker. Uh, did you go to the tip-off party yesterday? I, I did not make it. I had a little eat-off with my podcast partner, Danny LaRue, at the Caesars Palace buffet and i'm in no condition to go anywhere once that has concluded uh, you you go pretty hard at the buffet i've seen pictures of just crab legs strewn across a plate uh what is your favorite vegas buffet oh uh, definitely caesar i mean Caesar's. that's like that's probably like the best all you can eat experience in the world of in which the I, world. A, a, a category of which i consider myself a connoisseur <laughs> Oh, Vegas Summer League. I love it. This is the it's the little things. People, yeah, people, you and I have different priorities when yeah. we're here, I think. Yeah, my, my voice is, <laughs> is certainly not a priority. If it were, I probably would not have had as good a time as I did at the tip-off party last night. Thank you so much yeah. to everyone. I, I've been in past years, though. I've been yeah. in past years. It's fun. I like it. So uh, I have a good time. Uh, so uh, a lot has happened in the league. A lot uh, where I would say where the capology comes in, right? Yeah. Uh, obviously, uh, the Kawhi Leonard uh, move to the Clippers, which was brought about partially by the trade of Paul George to the Clippers. I want to ask you a question. I said on SiriusXM yesterday, Sam Presti may have inadvertently saved the league because when you look at the last 10 years, basically since the decision, it's been mostly guys saying, hey, our free agency is coming up. Let's play here. Or guys saying, hey, I know you're unhappy there. Come play with me. So you think of LeBron teaming up with Chris Bosh and Dwayne Wade. 
what do you think of LeBron telling Chris or uh, having Kevin Love get traded to where he was, having Anthony Davis traded to where he was, and what we saw executed with the Kawhi Leonard maneuver was, let me put it this way. When I heard the news, I said, I didn't know you could do that. <laughs> right? You could call a guy who's happily in his situation and say, I got a better thing for you. Well, I've always wondered that, actually, of just because uh, we haven't seen in the draft, too, of like pl- players not wanting to go places like we like Zion. There's some very vague rumbling. So maybe you wouldn't want to go to New Orleans like no one's done it. You can correct me if I'm wrong here. I don't think anyone's ever done the I don't want to play there since like Steve Francis, Steve Francis. in 1999. That's the, the last time. Last guy who did it and success, yeah. successfully. Did it. We've had guys. I, I remember E. John Leon. Uh, his agent Dan Fagan, may God rest his soul, uh, yeah. said, "Look, if you take him, we're not showing up." And Milwaukee, yeah, but he said, wasn't actually good, though. That well, was his well, problem. I'm saying if you're but actually at the time, good, you people have, thought yeah, he so. was good. I mean, <laughs> it's all about the perception at the time to pull yeah. off the maneuver, right? And so, this was a case where I, I was just blown away that that was even on the table. But the other thing is, and and this is where I want to get your opinion. If Sam Presti, let's say for instance, had traded him for Shea Gilgis-Alexander, Danilo Gallinari, and, say, three first-round picks. Yeah. Which is, I would say, a lot closer to Paul George's value, right? Shea Gilgis is a young, exciting player. If you had to trade him, right? And uh, and Danilo Gallinari had a really solid year last year, good vet, and that you could probably flip down the line, and three first-round picks with light or no protection. That's, that's pretty good. Yeah. But if that had happened we would have a case where I think free agency would be never ending. Because in essence, everyone's available all the time at that point. If that's if that's all it takes for me to get a Paul George off of the Thunder, well, then every team or every star player would be courting people who are not, we wouldn't even know that we're on the market, so to speak. Well, so what's wrong with that? Oh, I'm just, I mean. Yeah, no, I, I, I mean, I guess, it's, it, right? Like, it's just like, you know, Paul George has two years left on his contract. Kyrie Irving had two years left on his contract. I mean, this actually isn't that different. Um, and, you know, there were, I mean, OKC does a great job of keeping everything quiet. Right. There were kind of post hoc rumblings about how, oh, well, maybe he wasn't that happy. I mean, and they they clearly, like, they didn't have anywhere to go with that franchise, sure. right, either. So, so I don't know. I, I think it's, but your, your point is they got such a ridiculous return that it's like, okay, the precedent is like, set. Like you are, you are happy with this as OKC, even if you weren't trying to move him right. beforehand. Even if it wasn't an obvious, we got to move this guy situation. I, I think it's good actually because you have more creativity. I think there are more times when teams should just say, "Oh, I'm going to try. I'm going to really make you an overwhelming offer for this guy, even if he's not technically on the market." Right. And, and I guess that's my point is that the overwhelming part is what saves us because if it's not. I have no problem with, I've always been, hey, you guys get seven years or whatever once you draft a guy to do right by him. Yeah. And if you're messing it up, you don't deserve to keep these players, right? You don't deserve to say, why Why is Anthony Davis leaving? Well, you guys did that to yourselves. I guess in the case of Paul George, at least on a superficial level, they were doing all right. I mean, what more could Oklahoma City have done if you don't even know the guy's unhappy? Yeah. Right? What more can you do? Yeah, I don't know. I, I, I mean, that might be. The, I feel that way kind of about Toronto too. By the way, as an aside, because it's like 
But he, you know, they, they traded though. for yeah. him. They knew what the deal yeah. was. He probably didn't want to stay there, and they got the championship out of it. But it's a little bit of a bummer that you win the championship and the guy leaves anyway. But, uh, but but I mean, so what? What is your point? Let's say they did get you know the more traditional type package yeah. that you're talking about. And why is that so bad for for the league? Just because you're like, oh, you can never plan or yeah, you know, that yeah kind of it thing. makes planning hard. And again, it, it's one thing if I'm not doing right by my situation, I'm falling short. But if we're operating according to schedule and everyone seems bought in, I mean, it kind of reduces the meaning of the word, the words bought in. Yeah. You understand that it just, you hit a point where, man, what more can I do? If I'm Sam Presti, you only been here two years and you got hurt both years. So, you know, there's an argument to be made that if Oklahoma City doesn't have the injuries they have, at least last season. They probably don't finish the year the way they do, and they probably don't have to face the the path that they do, uh, as as such. So it's not like they messed up. It's just things happen, right? Yeah. And if it's never vocalized, man, this this needs to turn around. Man, this is unacceptable. Then how am I ever supposed to react as an organization, or am I? Should I always be in a a, a state of constant paranoia? Right. Yeah, I, I mean, you probably should be, but it's a, 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 a you should always be in a case of constant self-assessment. And frankly, for OKC, okay, maybe you could say, oh, they since they signed, re-signed George a year ago, they kind of did everything. I mean, I didn't care for like the Dennis Schroeder transaction, yeah. but that you know, there wasn't really anything else they could have done there that would have you know made them better necessarily than that move with where they were with Carmelo. Um, but yeah, I mean, they didn't really have a path forward. Do you agree with me on that? That they brought, yeah, they, they were they were a middling yeah, franchise. Yeah, I mean, maybe you get the right matchup, you get to the second round. They're not a championship contender with that group, and you've also you've got Russell Westbrook, who yeah, I mean, they felt like they had to resign him to that, but that's most people would say that's one of the worst contracts in the NBA, and well, it was an albatross. They had no flexibility as a result of that. No, let me ask you about that. So, yeah. it's obviously not ideal, particularly on the back end of his deal when we expect there to be some physical deterioration. But isn't, if, depending on the situation, isn't there value in a guy who is available and when when he plays, regardless of our criticisms of how he plays, yeah. is productive at an all-NBA level? Isn't yeah, that enough I, value I mean, right there? Yeah, well, I think if you feel like he's going to put you over the top to being a championship contender. That's why you sign these contracts, right? You, we know it's going to be bad on the back end. It's worth it now to be able to compete. I mean, I would, I didn't think it was at an all NBA level last year. Personally, that's my opinion, but with the in bad the, shooting, in the conversation, but, yeah, in the, in the conversation, yeah, other people's conversation. Yeah. So you, okay. So all right, <laughs> this is interesting. So where would you put him? Which, I mean, probably, you know, maybe like 25th through third. I mean, he was just really, really bad inefficient shooting, last but, year, but, but I guess, and, if we're talking about all NBA is the top fifteen players, yeah, you're saying he's in the next fifteen. Yeah, that's where that's where I personally would have. I I, I acknowledge I'm lower on him than yeah. than many are. I, I I've criticized his style of play for a while. I think a lot of his bad shooting is more shot selection driven than it is actual bad poor shot mechanics. I don't know. I mean, even when he's like teams were leaving him wide open last year. Like they really were not, especially whenever he's off. That's one of my biggest problems is when he's off the ball, you just don't have to guard him at all right, at right. this point. But um, no, I mean, and, and yeah, it was part of his shot selection. They didn't have much space. I mean, you can construct a lot of right. arguments on it, on him. But yeah, it's uh, so. So I mean, you think if he goes somewhere else and teams up with 
another star, you know, is is that like a really good team? I see that. That's funny that you mentioned that because my thought process was actually the opposite. I said, if you're competing for a championship, I don't know if he's the guy that you want. I think there are more cost-effective solutions to get you over the top. Yeah. But if you're... And he's got these weaknesses in the playoffs, yeah. too, that really are going to show up when you're really... Defense, when you can lock defense, in. Yeah. Like, all these things. My thing is, if you're a team that really has nothing going for it, right, and yeah. no avenues through which you really improve your team, maybe it's... If you're Orlando, you have 8 billion forwards and no guards. Yeah. Maybe it's worth it, you know, just, just to push you forward in your evolution. If you're Miami, hopelessly capped out and, and you know, no picks really or not a whole lot of pick inventory available, maybe it's worth it, right? They, they, you just yeah. go in and then you see where it goes from there. Um, I, I, it's weird. I never thought about it from the other standpoint. Like, oh, I'm this close to a championship. Let me go get Russell Westbrook. Yeah. No, I, I mean, I, I agree with you on that, on that too, that he's, you know, it's hard to win with him at the highest levels. Because of some, you know, he's going to take a lot of shots, and if he doesn't have the ball, yeah. you know, it's, it's difficult for him. Right. Uh, and you know, there's obviously a certain style of play and and the defense and stuff like that. But but I'm saying generally, when you're signing a contract of that ilk, maybe not necessarily him, where you're thinking, okay, you know, this guy's 29. That's what right. he was when he signed it. So you know, we're going to get two, three really good years out of this guy, and it's worth it because we'll be in contention. Right. And yeah, we got to pay the piper on the back end, but you know, we'll deal with it. That's, but that's, you know, that's why it wasn't a great contract. They had to sign it because he was the guy who stayed and all that. But, uh, okay. So luxury tax, obviously a concern for Oklahoma city. Uh, it's helped that they got rid of Jeremy Grant's deal, but obviously the plan is not only to get out of Russell Westbrook's lengthy contract, but to get under the tax for this year. Uh, what are some options that they can do in terms of trade partners where that could help alleviate that. Yeah, well, I think that's part of why they did the grant deal is because, you know, they're also, they're in the repeater tax, not right. just the regular tax, but uh, because it probably, there isn't a realistic trade partner for Westbrook where they could just straight up dump salary right. as well. I think they're going to have to match it uh, coming back. If it's Miami, they're hard cap. They can't take on any more, basically, than they're giving up. Dallas is the only team that has any space left at this point. They've got about $15 million. The Hawks use most of the rest of theirs now on Jabari. Jabari. So th there's really not much that they can do to cut salary for this year. And that's why I think they just had to move Grant into that trade exception that, that the Nuggets had. Right. Uh, as an aside, the luxury tax, you think it's working to do what it was, what they meant to, it to be? I've said this for a long time. I think it actually, like, I mean, you remember this back in 2011. This is a big part of the whole lockout was oh we need it so that small markets can compete right but if you look at back when they had the dollar for dollar tax in you know the previous 10 years or so it was you had small market teams paying Port the tax portland yeah right. i mean portland had you know their owner was incredibly right. loaded but and they were paying it this year too but you know you had milwaukee right. was was in there you had even you know if phoenix, you had like does phoenix count as a small market <laughs> i don't know well it's a, a small-minded market. Ah, uh, there you um, go. <laughs> but uh, I live there, man. The, <laughs> easy. <laughs> well, uh, no, no. I mean, I, that wasn't a shot at the city. More, more well, of a. Yeah, I know. Uh, 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 but, but yeah, in terms of their finances, it right. does. I mean, in you know, market and ownership, that's all entwined. But back in the day, you had you know a lot of teams that you know, if you were like, okay, we really 
We need to go into the tax for a couple of years. You can afford to do. I mean, we just have Milwaukee not match on Malcolm Brogdon. They're a championship contender right. because, in theory, it's just too prohibitive for them. And so the big market teams, they can pay it. They have enough revenue, but it's so punitive as you, especially once you go above maybe five or ten million into the tax. It's so punitive to where you know you're paying forty, fifty million dollars in luxury tax. That no, I don't think it served the purpose of helping make small markets more competitive because the big markets or the high spending owners, the only ones who can go do it into it. What you could say it has served maybe a more slightly more nefarious purpose of giving those small market teams an excuse that now we can't go into the tax and now we're going to be more profitable as a result because it's you know we're treating it as a de facto hard cap at right. the luxury tax. Well, I mean it's beyond not paying the tax it's the tax rebate that you get as a non-taxpayer yeah. and then also you can throw upon that as an excuse right now it's not that we don't want to pay the tax but if we go to the luxury tax team we can't do sign and trades and we get you yeah there are other restrictions there from a basketball standpoint so let me ask you if you could wave a magic wand on just the tax issue would you reduce the financial uh, penalties and increase the basketball flexibility penalties? Would you just reduce the financial penalties? What would you do? Yeah, I think I'd just reduce the financial penalties, stay with the restrictions on you know the sign-in trades where you're hard-capped to the apron, the mid-level where you're limited down yeah. to uh, uh, the mini mid-level that's you know about two-thirds the size of, of the regular mid-level. Uh, so yeah, I, I think that would be where I would go so that you do, if you do really have a contender, I mean, what if Milwaukee loses Giannis because they weren't able to re-sign Brogdon due to the tax issues and now they lose in the conference finals next year because they don't have enough guard depth and, and, you know, and then they're going to say, oh, well, we had no way of keeping, keeping Giannis, right. you know, it, it's like, those are the things where I really think it does hurt the small markets more. So like, you want to have a penalty on it? That's okay. Uh, as far as I'm concerned, but yeah, that's uh why make it so that you should everyone should be able to pay the tax for a couple of years if they're in that position and some teams it's financially prohibitive in theory philosophical question should we care about small markets should we make rules to protect small markets um i think you, we should have rules so that teams everybody should be able to compete otherwise you've got you know european soccer where there's four teams that are the only ones who can win a championship Every year, I think if you are going to be well, you should have the ability if you're well managed and, you know, you get some luck and get a star to compete for a championship. So I think this it's is just why, a question of how do you do that? This is why I ask this. It seems like every time something goes into the CBA designed to protect small markets, it ends up being the opposite. So, well, they just need to be smarter about what they use to do that. Well, I'm just saying, like, yeah. think about 2011. They got rid of the concept that in a sign-and-trade, uh, the uh, sending-out team can still add a fifth year, and the yeah. player gets all the, all the benefits of re-signing with his old team, albeit with the new team. And they thought by doing that, oh, players will go for the bigger bag here, the fifth year and the extra races, yeah. rather than the smaller deal here. And instead, all that happened is, all right, well, we'll just sign and trade then. We'll just sign them straight yeah. up, and you will get nothing for him. Right? Another yeah. example is the... Uh, the the supermax right yeah the, the irony of it all is is they've tried to use these monetary incentives and the players are actually taking yeah. less less money to go play in places where they want to be i mean it does seem kind of odd that oh the way we're going to protect small markets is they can offer more right. money 
that in theory they're like not as able to pay. Uh, but no, I mean, I think the contracts are so big now, you're not going to do it with those type of incentives. You just got to make it a place where guys want to stay. But as you noted, you have your seven years, your right. eight years to build a team around these guys. So I'll give you another example. The Supermax was, again, this idea yeah. that as long as you stay with that team, you'll be eligible. The moment that you get traded, you lose it, unless it happens in the first four years of your, of yeah. your uh, career. Um, but And one of the teams that was very vocal about having that sort of avenue was Charlotte. And so Charlotte gets a Supermax guy, <laughs> and they're, they start hemming and hawing. Like, I don't know. Yeah. And well, I'm not saying that Kimba's worth it or not. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, my point is you can't fight for that and then not use it and and then instead go pay someone who, quite frankly, is inferior yeah. uh, a whole lot of money. Well, the irony of it is is that the Supermax only matters for – the guys who like aren't really that good you know like like kd he would be like i don't need the super mark Kawhi, i don't yeah. need the super max i'm gonna be good for six seven more years like it's not gonna be that big of an incentive whereas someone like kemba i'm t- he's 29 that fifth year 35 percent max like that's like he knows there's no way i'm gonna be good enough right. in that fifth year to recoup that money so i i think you know unintended consequences again where it's the guys who said john wall is another one kind of on the threshold of all nba we're going to keep them around with the Supermax. And now that's, you know, when you pay that type of money at that type of an age for a guy who's like, you know, the 15th best player in the league, yeah, it's going to look pretty bad ultimately. So, again, I ask the question, should we stop trying to protect small markets if every time we put in one of these rules, it doesn't quite work out? Well, there's this thing called the salary cap. Okay, that, okay. You know, I mean, like, like, well, so, but I think it's just, you just have to be smarter about it. I think it was pretty easy you know, I mean, I think we were all saying at the time, like, eh, this may not work the way you think it's right. going to. And certainly, you know, it's a collective bargaining process. You're not going to get exactly the rule that you want. You have to kind of work around. This is something the players would agree to because they could get paid more in theory as well. So, I mean, you know, it's it's easier said than done to just snap your fingers and come up with the rule. But no, I think some of the stuff that they've put in either hasn't succeeded or has been act- actively negative, like that more regressive tax. All right. Uh, as we wrap up here, uh, you're not just in Vegas to hit up buffets and uh, <laughs> watch Summer League basketball. You're also part of the, uh, I guess, the sports you, business classroom. Yeah, but what, what what, 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 I wouldn't call you the staff, the faculty. The faculty. Yeah, is, there you go. Yeah. All right. uh, tell the people what that is and, and uh, what you do. Yeah, so it's for people who are trying to break into the business of basketball. It was started by Warren Legary, who started a, the Summer League as partner, Albert Hall. Uh, I created a lot of the curriculum for it about four years ago. Larry Kuhn is uh, the headmaster, we, we call him there, who's uh, the cap father, the guy who's been doing this longer than just about anyone that I know of at this point. So we teach CBA, we teach uh, analytics scouting have you know everyone who's around here in the summer league warren uh, albert uh, all of us have all these connections you learn from some of the best people we're doing today we're doing like a mock trade deadline exercise with each team led by an nba expert like me and people who've actually worked for teams that are much more qualified even than i am so uh it's just a, a great way to meet people start your career there's a lot of people who have gone through the program who've gotten jobs with teams or in media and it's really you know it's not not everyone is going to obviously get a, a position out of this, but you kind of give yourself a chance if you've got the talent 
to kind of get on people's radar screens. The interesting thing for me is when you see people already work for teams. So you see some former players have taken yeah. the class, and that I think that says volumes that you know this is something that has the credibility that help people i guess continuing education for those yeah. who are already in the business yeah i mean it's really it's a really intensive five-day program where you uh you'll sleep well every night <laughs> well you gonna sleep well anyway because the buffet at caesar's apparently is amazing <laughs> nate duncan thanks a lot for joining us all right my pleasure all right uh we'll take a little break we'll be back with chris staples Sound System Podcast live from NBA Summer League here in Las Vegas. My next guest is something of a phenomenon. <laughs> Chris Staples, CEO of Global Dunk Empire. You are one of uh, the most followed dunkers on Instagram, on social media. Uh, I guess uh, my first question is always, how, at what point did you realize this was something, not the dunking part, but the being paid to put your videos on online at what point did you realize oh wait there's some money in this uh well the first time i entered a dunk contest the reason how i got discovered is by actually putting something online someone posted something and uh i got contacted through you know uh through a sponsor or whatever saying hey you know we saw your dunks online we have this dunk contest coming up and the contest was worth ten thousand dollars right and at the time i was uh, kind of young and I've I never seen $10,000 before right. so I'm like hey I can make $10,000 you know in a contest yeah let's do it you know and so uh, once I won my first $10,000 I said hey can I maybe I can make a living off of this right. you know if I can make this in a day how can I go and make this daily you right. know or you know monthly or something like that right. so so I guess the big question for me is how do you keep coming up with something new Something that people, not only you've never done before, they've never seen you do before, but really what we're talking about is they've never seen anybody do it before. Right. Uh, as far as creativity, I think it's about like studying your own craft. Maybe you can study other guys that, right. that do dunks. Like, how can I tweak that just a little bit right. to make it my own? Uh, I know when I first started getting into contests, you know, I had one signature dunk and I knew that was all tens. But I knew that one dunk wouldn't win me a contest. Right. I have to do multiple dunks so i wanted to make sure that all my dunks were 10 worthy and so uh i just kept getting better and better you know i had regular dunks to start off and and then i had to get creative in order to continue to win contests uh music producers sometimes they'll have like a signature like a signature sound within their different beats it's different songs but they all have something like oh yeah this sounds like a timbaland beat or this sounds okay. like just blaze or whatever uh, for you, is there something within your dunks you think that if people didn't know who you are, they'd know, oh, that's, that's the dude that did this or did that? They always, okay, for me, I have a signature, so they always know I have the backwards hat on. Okay. No matter where I go in a contest, I always wear my cap. It's just like something that people remember me for. Right. You know, uh, I always want to separate myself in some type of way. And before every dunk, I always dribble the ball around my back one time. Right. So... If I don't dribble the ball around my back on like a video or something like that, I get so many comments like, what's going on? You, you're you sick? Are, like, you yeah, like I was waiting for the behind the back because everyone knows that. So, um, yeah, that would be my thing. All right. So we're here at NBA Summer League. Uh, 
We got a guy, number one overall pick, Zion Williamson, who's known for his ferocious dunks. Yes. I want you to critique for me Zion's dunks. Like, just give me, because you, you as someone who does it at the highest level, I feel like you can watch and you almost like, uh, uh, like a wine expert, you could like okay. A little I actually do that. Oh, okay, okay. So I want you to do that for, for Zion. Zion's dunks. Zion, man, honestly, is he's different. He's different. You know his his dunks are so powerful. He could jump off one foot, one foot or two feet, and uh, I mean he has so much style with it. You know, for a guy that size. So I guess I always feel like in dunk contests, at least on the NBA level, the bigger you are, either height or heftiness right the harder it is for whatever reason to impress the judges yes all right is am i am i right on that I, no you're right you're okay. absolutely right so for zion a lot of people are like, zion in the dunk contest i know he said he's not going to do it but everyone changes their mind months later right but i heard you i heard you on the show uh you know you're saying maybe a Possibly a sponsor will help you out with hey, that. I, I remember that. Yeah, exactly, right? Yep. So they said no. And they're like, well, how about for this? Yeah, like, you, you hit the nail on the head right well, there. I remember that, yeah. It's like my man Aaron Gordon came out with HP or whatever. Yeah, like, he had the drone the for, uh, for Intel. I yeah, said, yeah, Intel, there you go. I remember. So, but, you know, part of me is also thinking, even though I know it's, it's amazing the amount of force and power and how much lift he gets with that size, is he going to be as... Impressive to people as say a Dennis Smith Jr. or Donovan Mitchell, one of those guys. Yes, he will act, and I love Dennis Smith, uh, Donovan Mitchell as well. Yeah. Um, you get what I'm saying, like those guys because they're because they're you know, they're shorter, guys, so they have to so, jump higher. But and, for Zion, he has the weight, and so that I think that puts him over the top. Like, look, he's tall, but he also weighs right. almost twice your size. Yes. You know, so you're looking at someone like that, and you're like, okay. How is he? And so all his dunks are vicious. People love powerful dunks right. at the end of the day. So he can do stylish dunks, but he's also finishing with more power than anybody. And I think that makes a big difference when it comes to contests or even in game. Right. You know? Okay. More dunk contest stuff. My big pet peeve. I don't like props. I, like, or, or, I'm actually with you. I actually uh, agree with you. The dunk should be the star. Now, you might, you might, you know, after you dunk, you might do something that's funny or whatever. But like I'm thinking about like uh uh was it Josh Smith? Josh Smith. Up, he had the the Dominique Wilkins jersey. Who had the Dominique Wilkins jersey? Oh, that, you're talking about uh who did the that? last contest? It was a while ago. No, I oh Josh Smith. Okay, so he had Dominique like Wilkins. He, had, he had the twenty one like I don't mind a little stuff like that. I'm talking about like where they got the whole production and my man came out with the helmet on. and the You know, <laughs> let me tell you who I think started that really as far as in the NBA. Yeah. Dwight Howard. He had the Superman. Yeah. He did the telephone booth the next year. Yeah. He had the hoop on top. He had a lot of stuff going on. I mean, but he was completing his dunks on the first attempt. Right. So it was a surprise. But when you have guys who come out here and they don't complete it or it's not what you thought it was going to be, it kind of messes why, it up. Why do you think? Do you think is it a... a, a they're trying stuff that's a little too hard for them, or is it the nerves? Why do you think so many guys don't complete their dunks on the first try? I think one is nerves. It's adrenaline. Right. It's a, it's a, this is all science. Yeah. It's yeah. all science. If you watch these guys, like I've been to All-Star Weekend, and you see them warming up, and they're killing it, and they're, they're ready to go. But then guess what? It's a commercial break. You yeah. know, we got to wait. That adrenaline goes down, and now it's, all right, lights on you, you know? Right. And so uh, I think it's a lot of that. It's a, you know, and 
these guys don't practice that stuff every day, you know, such as guys like us. You know, we do it for a living. Right. They play basketball, you know, in the gym 24-7. And that's just a side. That's just the icing on the cake of them being able to dunk. You know, the funny thing is, like, Vince Carter, I talked to him about this, and he said those dunks that he did in that dunk contest, he never practiced a single one of those. He never even thought of He said he thought of them on the spot. I believe it, though. He, I, I because he too. was doing things like that in the game. Right. You know? Right. Like, Obviously, I think you can't put your arm in the room in the game. That might be a tech, but the way he was catching 360s and his windmills, you're like, yeah, he can do this stuff. This is what he does. All right. Is he the best dunker of all time, NBA? NBA dunk, yes. Okay. Easily. Easily. Uh, most underrated NBA dunker of all time. Ooh, that's tough. I got, I got a name. Most underrated? Yeah, like this dude was serious, but people just, for whatever reason, they don't remember him and they don't talk about him like that. I mean... Ah, okay. I mean, I mean, I used to like Allen Iverson. If he's my NBA dunker, you know, he was, he dunking. Catch, like, I mean, he but dunking, dunking, yeah. Because like, early career, he did that. But yeah. uh, ah, okay, you go first. All right. So two names. One, Jason Richardson. J. J. R- Nobody remembers Jay Richardson anymore. I'm like this he's sagging on Michigan from my hometown. Oh, oh, oh you so, sagging ass. So let well. me tell you this. So let me tell you. Okay, Vince Carter, my favorite yeah. dunker. Let me tell you why because of the longevity of yeah. doing it. But I said, had Jason Richardson went against Vince Carter the next year, right? That, that would have been, been ugly. That would have. Oh, I mean, that would have been great. I mean, yeah. I think we all got a show. Yeah. The other guy, which is the guy he went up against, Desmond Mason. Desmond Mason. Desmond okay. Mason was nasty, and I like. I feel like people just forget that because, especially those guys, you know, a lot of times when we talk about the greatest dunkers, really we start talking about the greatest players. Yeah. Michael was the greatest dunker, mm-hmm. and the Kobe, and and Dominique Wilkins, like, yeah. But they weren't on the level. Them they were yeah. They were great players, better all-around players. But the dunking, if we're just talking about dunks, whether in-game or in contest. Right. Those dudes, I mean. Okay, I, I actually Are agree you with me on that? I'm, I'm with you on the Jason Richardson because it, he was doing things. I think Jason Richardson, with his dunks, he would win contests today. You know, unfortunately, like guys have, unfortunately, guys have, you know, elevated since Vince Carter. You know, as right. far as dunk contest dunks. Right. Because those dunks probably wouldn't win a contest today. You no, know, because we've seen it. We've, and that's, that goes it. back to, what I, like I said about you, how hard is it to come up with something new? Yeah. Every, you know, are there dunks that you, let me put it this way. Do you have new dunks every single dunk contest or do you have dunks that like, like comedians, like I'll do it for this stand up tour and then, all right, I'm going to throw those jokes away and I'm going to come up with some new I ones. I like how you put that. That's a good, that's a good way to put it. Right. Yeah. Uh it's like a comedian. Right. You know, sometimes, you know, in the big contest, you bring something different to the table. Right. You know, but when you're touring a lot throughout different countries, I'm I'm going with my go-to go. Yeah. My go-to dunks, you know. If I was to ever, ever dunk in front of the crowd, right, I'm going to go with my go-to. I'm not bringing something what, new. What's the go-to? My go-to is the 360 between the legs. And so that's like my favorite dunk. And I can do that. Almost any that's, time. That's yeah. the, hey, what, like, that's the, yeah. I ain't nothing. So right now, no stretch, nothing. I can you walk, walk out, out on that court right now and do that? I can do that right right now. Like, seriously, like, that, it's my dunk, yeah. I, I get it, but you, you're not going to even, like, do a light jog or something. See, like, it's all science, that. I'm telling you. Like, I mean, I'm a little older now. I'm, like, I'm 32, but it's, I can still go out there and the adrenaline will pump and, and I can get it down. Jeez, man. Yeah. <laughs> All right, uh, favorite dunk contest dunks of all time. That, oh, man. So, like, give me – you don't have to be in rank. Just give me some, like, okay. oh, I'll remember that one. Obviously. Okay, Jason Richardson, obviously. Right, yeah. 
the the dunk when he puts his hands up like that. Yeah. You know, the Jay Rich dunk. Uh Aaron Gordon under both legs. Ooh, yeah, that uh, was, and because also he's a taller guy. That's, taller that's guy. a lot harder for him to do than a, He was a lot he was he's in my top, like really. Like he did the the scoop off the hand. Yeah. We've never seen that before. Yeah. You know, he did a few of those. Uh obviously Vince Carter 360 windmill. Zach Levine between the legs from yeah. the free throw line. Um you know, I, I did like this is underrated, but Andre Iguodala. Off the you know, side of the backboard. Side of the backboard. Yeah. 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 He was doing some things, man. Yeah. You know, he you know, unfortunately he was going against Nate Robinson, right. who had the short guy. I'm telling you, it's hard, man. It's, it's, it's it hard. Is. It's hard to beat the, the crowd favorite. Yeah. So it's about, you know, in contests, it's all about catching the crowd early. You know. Right. Um, oh, there you go. Do you save the big finale dunk or do you start with the to set the table? Because I've seen, so Dennis Smith Jr., <clears throat> uh, a, a year ago, I guess it was, it, what was it? Who's LA, in LA. Yep. He had the dunk that he did w with Cole. They were supposed to do that in LA. Wow. But they were like, that's a finals dunk. Mm -hmm. And so what ended up happening was but they never got to the finals because DJ Khaled didn't understand what he had just done. Right. And they gave him a low score on the, on that dunk. Mm -hmm. and, so, and then he was out. And he was out. And so the year later, they had to wait a year for the dunk over Cole. With that, you know, I feel like with the NBA, if they're going to bring these guys out there and right. do this do this show, let them do all their dunks. Ooh, just throw, the, yeah, yeah. You know what? And then we rate them at the end. Yeah, we rate them at the end. I like that idea. You can have a dunk. Let's say you miss a dunk, but you know what? You have a shutdown dunk. Right. Like you know what? That dunk might have took the cake. So so again, so for you, what's your philosophy when you're going into these contests? For me, I mean, I want to get the crowd going early. Right. I want to go out there, hit them with a bang first. Right. And then, you know what? Now it puts the pressure on everyone else. Right. You know, like, well, okay, he started off like this. Now I got, now the next person has to bring their air game because right. they don't know what I'm bringing to the table next. If that, if I'm starting off like that. Mm. So I kind of want to go out there and don't really show it until the dunk actually happens. And then you have a walk-off dunk? Like, this is the one that they're just going to, like, stop the competition. Honestly. Yeah, have a walk-off dunk. Okay. All right. Yep. All right. So uh, let me ask you this. Here's another question for you. Uh, what are some of the most overrated dunks? Like people went crazy and you said, hmm. Okay. All right. The most overrated dunk. I'm not going to call it his dunk. Right. But, just, oh. yeah. The, the, whatever it was. It doesn't when, matter about the person. I'm talking about just the dunk. When you itself. jump over people. Okay. When, when they grab the ball up right. the guy's head. You know, the guy holds right. it up. The, it, That's an overrated dunk. It's, it's been done. It's we, like. It's a bunny hop. It's like right. it's jumping over a fence or something like that. And right. So, um, and pe but people love it, you know. And it's nothing against any of the dunkers because right. guess what? The crowd loves exactly, it. They, they yeah. love the the fact of someone jumping over. When they see right. that, like, wow, you jumped over that person. Um, that's why guys do it because it's the crowd favorite. Whether some dunkers don't like it or not, it's what the crowd wants. Right. And so that's what you want. That's playing what, the hits, basically. You have to play. You have to play yeah. to the crowd, to, to the judges. You know. Right. Most misunderstood dunk. So you ever seen a dunk where you're like, oh, and then everyone else is like, what's the big deal? Y'all like, don't understand the level <laughs> of complexity that this man just put in this dunk. Right. Um, you know what? It was actually Aaron Gordon. When he jumped up and he did like a, a pump in the back of the yeah. head, and then he went down all the right. way and then brought it back up. Like that's that's a lot yep. in the air. And so, I, I mean, he got some good scores. But if you really understood how long he had to be in the air and how much effort that takes, 
You know, I, st- I still see guys today who can't do that dunk. You know, so. it, you know, my my favorite misunderstood dunk was Gerald Green blowing out the candle. Because people don't understand how high you have to get. How high, and you gotta stop. Right, you gotta stop in the middle. Wait, hold on, y'all. And then yeah. dunk it. it that, and it was crazy because he had, they had the microphone on the rim so you could hear him yeah. blowing. Like, yeah, Joe Green. And he was an underrated dunker oh, too, man. Absolutely. Like, and, I mean, he, and he he's you want to talk about longevity? He'll still yeah. put on your head right now. Yeah, right now. That's, that's the crazy thing about Joe Green is that he still has his. I mean, options. he did a between the legs and socks. <laughs> that's. We forgetting about that one, which is, which is pretty dangerous, by the way. I was <laughs> which, the which I'm not sure if his contract was on my line, but he went out there. With, you know, yeah. All right. So, what's going? Obviously, Father Time is undefeated. There's going to be a day where Chris Staples can't dunk anymore, right. or not to the point where you're wowing. You can still get up there and dunk, yeah, yeah. But you're going to be a show dunker. What's next? What's the transition for you from there? Well, you know, I've had a good career as far as having opportunities to travel. I played with the Globetrotters for, you know, a few years. Um, and so with that, I, you know, I want guys to know who are, who are like professional dunkers, you know, yeah. like, you know what, you don't always have to make it to the NBA. Not everyone's going to make it to the NBA. It's right. a lot of, a lot of these guys won't play a, a second. Yeah. On the most court. of them, most of them won't even. Exactly. They yeah. won't see a, a, you know, an NBA contract, but, and that's how, that's just the reality of it. It's a lot of guys that like basketball, but it's only a certain amount of people, a certain amount of players that can play in the NBA. Right. And so, but that doesn't mean it's the end of the road for you. So for some people, they'll go overseas, they'll go to the G League. And guys, for me, I'm a dunker. And I take full advantage of that. You know what? I'm going to get paid for what I know how to do. And I want guys, to, you know, who who like to dunk like me to follow that path. Like, you know what? How can I get, get seen? And so that's why I started this company called Global Dunk Empire, where I'll, you know, get guys you know uh opportunities either right. to like nba halftime shows because you know it's a lot of guys that want to be a part of this you know the slam dunkers want to be a part of the the all-star weekend yeah. i know they've, they've always been talking about that and i know that's a stretch and so for us you know that's why i'm trying to start doing like halftime shows right you know we maybe not be at all-star weekend but maybe we'll be at the halftime right. where yeah. we give the crowd you know You're, you know something ultimately you're looking for the stage to do the big stage yeah, it's like theater right you want present I, our I, talent i want to play in the biggest arena or the biggest it doesn't matter whether it's happening in an nba competition exactly or in the halftime of an nba competition exactly so if yeah. you're like at a game and you see you know some slam dunkers during halftime yeah. at least you're getting something out of it because it's not a guarantee now you might be playing against it's the spurs and the kings right it's not too many high flyers out there right now yeah. and so you you you're paying this money to go to the games and you're not guaranteed to get that. And so I want to put guys in, in a situation where they go and present their skills on a big stage in front of a big crowd. I, I, got, I, found, I remember something else, by the way. Biggest pet peeve for me, trampoline dunkers. <laughs> I don't, I, people go nuts for it, and I don't understand why. They love why. it. They love it. And, you know, I don't know. I, I don't understand it either. And, um, but I just think they like the flips and stuff, really. It's not even about the dunk. It's, I think it's the flips. It's a dangerous sport. Yeah, man. You know? But, you know, these guys are still... I'm not saying it's a, easy. I'm just saying I don't get why people like yeah, it. I don't, yeah, they, I, get what you, I get you on that one. Uh, all right. So uh, what's your Instagram? It's everybody underscore hate Chris. <laughs> everybody hates Chris. I love much. that show, man. Yeah, that was my that, favorite show. That was a great show, man. All right. And uh, YouTube? 
YouTube, just Chris Staples. There you go. Yep, you'll find Chris Staples dunked on there. Chris Staples, dunker extraordinaire. Thank you very much. Man, appreciate you. Oh, absolutely. Thank you, man. And that's going to do it for us for NBA Sound System here at Las Vegas Summer League. Thank you to my guest, Nate Duncan, Chris Staples. Talk to you guys next time. This is NBA Sound System at NBA Summer League in Las Vegas. Check out our full slate of Summer League podcasts by searching NBA Sound System wherever you get your favorite podcasts or visit nbasoundsystem.com.